welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. everybody and welcome to Punch It. This is episode 133. My name is Charlene Schmidt and with me as always is Tristan Riddell. Tristan Riddell, it is good to see you. We had a short break for Thanksgiving here in the US. How is your little feast? Uh, little feast was little. It was uh, it was <laughs> nice because it was really just six people including the including the baby. And just six? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, it might not even been that much. It was uh, it was nice. Like it was pretty much everybody's off year where like everybody else was traveling, and so the local mm. family uh, got together. Um, but I heard you had an even smaller Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes, six. Uh, that's like a factor of three for what we had at our house. It was a feast of two, not counting two cats who got some turkey. But <laughs> yeah, it was just me and the husband. We cooked ourselves a little bit of food, had a really quiet day, and it was super nice. We didn't have to go anywhere. We didn't travel. We didn't get stuck in the blizzards that plagued mm-hmm. the U.S. and all the people that were stuck in airports and on the road. And oh, I can't even imagine. No. It, it's funny because the, the nerd party consists of an international audience as well as an international group of hosts and so and we all have as some of you know we all have a group chat that we uh that we exchange articles ideas issues uh things like that and uh we also celebrate together and we'll we'll often say like happy thanksgiving and it's funny because some of our uh non-american uh hosts will chime in and say happy thursday everyone (laughs) right right yeah they've got to have that little poke yo you you know, you arrogant Americans, la la la. Yeah, have a good holiday, guys. It's just another day for us. <laughs> American pig dogs. Uh, but yes. <laughs> yes. So it was it was a fun time. And so everybody who celebrated, we hope that you had a uh, a great weekend. And hopefully you had a long weekend and, and, and a weekend to reflect on uh, on Punch It and all the, and all the great things <laughs> going on here. And uh, some of you over that weekend uh, wrote to us. And yeah. gave us some really great stuff to talk about. And uh, and Shar, how about you? Uh, how about you bring that to the masses? Yes, we have emails. We got to do a little bit of catch up because we've gotten some fantastic emails, like we always do. And we want to read some of them on the show. So that's what I'm going to do. First one up is from Matthew B in the UK, and he says, "Hey, firstly, I just wanted to thank you both for the podcast. Well, you're welcome. About a year ago, I discovered the podcasts were even a thing." And listening to your cast has really helped me. I'm a longtime sufferer of depression, and although I've found some of uh, what of a balance in my mind, often I struggle with the loneliness aspect of it. In those moments, listening to your podcast has really helped me pull myself back up and push forward. Your show's amazing. I love the creativity, the passion, the friendship you both have. I enjoy the story writing the best when you both flesh out a new story for a character or a show, and it inspired me to try and write a concept theme for my own Trek show. Which again has hey. helped me deal with some issues. That's super cool! Yay! Back to the letter. Trek feels like my oldest friend, as I'm sure it does for so many people. Its sense of hope and the betterment of mankind is what hooked me from day one and continues to do so. That spirit, that hope, and positivity that I get from Trek is also what I feel from your show. So, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for your time, your energy, and your passion. Well, you're quite welcome, and thank you so much for the kind words. 
Yes, absolutely. We we don't, as you guys, longtime listeners know, we don't read every single email we get. We don't. We can. Uh, we we try to respond to as many as we can, and we read a, a select few. And depression and anxiety and things like that are very near and dear to Shar and I's hearts. And yep. so whenever we hear something from one of our listeners, whether it's via Twitter, Facebook, email, YouTube, whatever it is, uh, whenever we hear someone mention that and say that we help out in whatever small way we can, it really goes a long way with solidifying why we do this and and how much fun it is because we all need an outlet. We all need something to make us feel less lonely. Uh, we yes. all need an outlet for creativity. And all of us have our struggle. Every single one of us has our struggle, whether it's whether it's depression, anxiety, food, whether it's addiction, wh- whatever it could possibly be, we all have something. And so when we hear that our words of just geeking out in front of a <laughs> mic to each other for a half an hour to an hour every week helps somebody in some way, it really just, it blows me away every single time I, I hear it. And I, I really yeah. do thank you for letting us know. Oh, for real. That's, it's so humbling and it puts things into perspective for us, Right. Like the stuff that we're putting out here really does have an impact. It affects people. And it's good to remember that, you know, for better or for worse. You and I just do this because we enjoy it. We have fun. We enjoy each other's company. But the fact that other people get something out of it, uh, just it blows me away whenever I hear something like that. Seriously. Also, uh, guys... Uh, you know, like uh, this this listener mentioned, you know, coming up with his own concept for a show. The nerd party is always looking for good talent. And hey, hey. if you if anybody who's listening has an idea for a show, if it's geeky and nerdy, let us know. I mean, it doesn't have to be Star Trek related. It totally can be, but it doesn't have to be Star Trek related. We're definitely looking for unique voices with a unique take on things. And if you get, if you have a show idea that's niche and something that either doesn't exist uh, at the nerd party or something that could complement the nerd party, uh, please let us know. You can go to thenerdparty.com/contact, select a, sh- a show. Uh, if you um, the the general email is contact at thenerdparty.com, and uh, you know pitch us an idea. I mean, we we get pitches sometimes. Uh, sometimes we'll reach out to other people and say like, hey, do you have an idea for a show? Other times people will come to us. Uh, we very much do not accept everything. Like just so you guys know, like <laughs> just because you have a show idea, it doesn't mean we're going to go, yeah, come on the network. Uh, so we're we're very much discerning and we... Uh, it, it, it's not a it's not an issue of you or your talent. Sometimes it just doesn't fit the network or our vision sure. right now or where we are. Uh, but we are always looking for good talent. So uh, tell your friends if you have an idea, let us know. We are always interested in expanding and growing and diversifying our pool, especially. Yeah, yeah, because we cover quite a bit, but there's always room for more. And if you've got a unique idea, by golly, yes, we do want to hear it. Now we do have a request from Matthew in closing of his email. Uh, He would love to listen to us create our own brand new crew, the USS (laughs) Punch-It. And (laughs) it would be about who and what, where, the adventures, uh, wherever we would take them, what would we do? Now, we have fleshed out other crews. Like, uh, I believe we did a show on the Enterprise C. Like, what sort of officers would we have on there? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we've we've done things like this, but not a completely original crew, if I'm recalling correctly. I feel like we might have. I mean, like we've done Punch <laughs> It we? for 133 episodes now. I feel like we've done something like this. I'll okay. have to research because my memory is not so great. Uh, but we've done something akin to it where we've developed... Like we've developed different shows and things like that, like different concepts, and so the crew would be applicable to that. But straight up, like, I don't know, like that. I, I'm always <laughs> interested in in tackling it, even if we've done it before, because this is one of those things where you can go in a million different directions. For real, yeah, I, it it does seem a little familiar, and yet I, there's no way I could say, oh yeah, go listen to episode what you call it. No. No, (laughs) we've done so many things. We played in so many universes that they all just sort of blend together in the ether after a while. And it becomes really hard to remember what's what of the things that we've done, much less canon and everything else and all the other franchises we watch. Oh, it's an overload. Anyway, let's get back to some emails, shall we? Go for it. Okay, so our next one is from Ben P. And he says, hello, I just listened to your latest podcast and I love your ideas. I do not remember exactly which episode he's referring to, so my bad. I would love to see an anthology series, animated or otherwise, dealing with filling in some of the backstories for either main or recurring characters. Nothing that would change the face of continuity, but just some interesting stories. Stories based on comments made in passing. For example, a story showing the battle Picard had with the Ferengi, which led to the destruction of the Stargazer, or the Inquiry, which followed, as mentioned in Measure of a Man. You mentioned a series dealing with the hosts of Dax, so I wanted to tell you, in case you were not aware, that there was a book published in 1999 by Pocket Books called The Lives of Dax, which has short stories of each of the Dax hosts. Thank you for your hard work, and I look forward to your next episode. Well, thank you, Ben, for pointing that out, because I was not aware that that was a thing. I do. I remember from going to the to the bookstore. I always remember seeing that cover and thinking I should absolutely read that. But like ninety nine percent of Trek novels that I've had that thought about, I've never actually pulled the trigger. <laughs> <and read> it. <laughs> you know, I think that was right about the time when I was maybe not reading the novels as much. I mean, I used to be devout. I would go to Walden Books every other week and get a new Trek novel. My mom would give me five bucks. And I would spend it on a new Trek novel every time, devour it over the weekend, and then mm-hmm. do it all again. Uh, but that was probably about the time when I was working, going to school, yada, yada, and just, you know, your time, your priorities change big time. Man, 99, I was hardcore getting into Star Wars. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I was always a hardcore Star Wars fan, but in 99, The Phantom Menace came out. And so right. I was reading everything that I could possibly get on the prequel on the prequels, I mean, it was the first prequel. Yes. And, um, I mean, I still, of course, I mean, this was, uh, you know, Voyager was still going strong. So I was deep, deep into Voyager at that time. So it was, uh-huh. for that time, 99, it was Voyager and Star Wars. I didn't really bleed into uh, into DS9 or TNG or anything like that <laughs> when it came to my literary advances. So, yes, thank you so much for for emailing us. And uh, that's I think that's a great idea. We are always fans of the what if. Like, what would this story oh, yeah. look like if we filled in those gaps? Like, filling in the gaps in a what if story, that's our bread and butter on Punch It. It is. And to preview what we're going to do today, we're going to do a what if. So let's tease that just a tiny bit. But before we get to it, we have one more email. And then we'll get to the actual topic at hand. And this one is from Andrew S., who is a longtime listener and has written in before... He says, what up, lizard babies? 
I love it already. <laughs> Been loving your short trek shows. It's a fun way of being semi-topical, but still getting to play around on the whiteboard. It's been great listening. I had one thought about your survival training episode with Archer and Trip. I like the thought of both guys having something to be embarrassed about in the story, but what if part of the reason for their unpreparedness came from a misunderstanding about the approach to the training? I'm picturing Archer looking it as survival training, whereas Trip, being the catfish in Florida boy that he is, sees it as camping. Trip is all for the hiking and setting up campsite of things and actually outpaces Archer with that part, but is thoroughly unprepared for the survival side. Also, this would give a good reason for a trip to bring along some vodka or some kind of booze so that you could get worked that into the story as well. All that said, I really love your idea of Archer using the survival training as a way to ensure that the trip ends up on the NX-01. That's a really nice way to finish the story. Also on the topic of short treks, I had one idea pop up. What if you did a short trek story about Gold, or Gold Ducat's home life? We hear references <laughs> to his family, but never seen that interaction. What kind of lessons does a Cardassian father teach his children? What stories does he read to them at bedtime? Also, what is his relationship like with his wife? Does it bother her that her husband has dalliances with other women, Bajorans no less? Or is she honored to be the wife of a noble soldier of the Cardassian Union? Just another idea for you guys in the fan pile. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Andrew. That is a really cool idea. That's not something I'd ever considered before. Uh, yeah, that's terrifying. I, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it truly. I mean, we could get into some really demented family dynamics. I think with Cardassian uh, home life, and that's a dark place where I've got to be in the right mindset to go there. But I'm going to put that in the idea bank because it is good. What would be crazy and pseudo-hilarious, but also extremely dark at the same time, as if he was raised in the Cardassian equivalent of the suburbs and everything was perfect. Like he had a loving father, a great mother, siblings who he had great relationships with, and he just had the picturesque, perfect childhood and still wound up as a as space Hitler, basically. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just goes to show nature versus nurture, right? Yeah, something like that. Something like something that. But yeah, like thank that. you very much for the idea and thank you for writing... Us and uh, as always, yes. If you want to contact us, please go to the to the nerdparty.com slash contact. Select punch it from the menu and fill out the form. It'll send us an email right at our doorstep. You can also reach us at Twitter and Facegram and Instagram. Facegram? That's not a thing. Yeah, Facebook, all the things. Facebook, all the things. <laughs> yeah, like me <laughs> on the Twitters and uh, yeah, just, uh, anywhere on social media, you can find us and, and reach out to us and uh, give us ideas. Or just give us praise. We'll take that too. And if oh, you want to give us a review, uh, please do so if you can on iTunes. If you do it on another service, please email us and let us know that you did so. And if you give us five stars, we'll mention you on the show. You can give us any kind of review you want, but five stars get you a mention on the show. Yay. Okay, so now that we're 14 some minutes into this thing, how about we actually do the show? And if you're still listening, praise you. Yes, this was a lengthy prologue, but every once in a while that happens. Now, you have a great idea. This is this idea you pitched a couple days ago, and I am all for it. So how about you <laughs> pitch it to you the audience? You got it. All right. Yeah, this is, I think, going to be a fun one. My idea is, what if the Voyager crew got stuck in 1996 during the time of Future's End? Yeah, like so for people who might not remember, Future's End is where the Voyager crew was thrown back in time by uh, Captain, what's his name? Braxton. Uh, Braxton, thank you. Braxton, not Braxton. Prax! Yeah. Uh, Braxton. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's another episode. 
uh, gets thrown back in time and uh, Braxton is thrown earlier, like in the 60s, they're thrown into the 90s. And so during the 60s to 90s, one uh, evil dude is cannibalizing the time ship for their technology. And that's when the Voyager crew discovers that the tech boom that happened between the 60s and 90s is all because of the spaceship that was thrown back in time. And that's now a part of our history. And so they have to find a way back home and stop the bad guy um, who was played by... Uh, Ed Begley Jr. Beg- Ed Begley Jr. And um, because he's going to attempt to go to the future to pilfer more technology. And by doing so, he's going to rip a hole in the space-time continuum and just screw things up. And so the Voyager crew has to blend in in the 90s. Uh, you know, 90s yes. California, of course. Yeah, baby. And, L.A. And, L.A. And... Um, and then hijinks ensue. And of course, they save the day and go back to the 24th century. But sadly, back to the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> yes. Yes, they cannot be brought home. Not permanently. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. So I think in order to make this whole thing possible, a couple things have to happen. Uh, either Braxton has to remain stuck in the 20th century, or uh, future Braxton of the 29th century probably has to be killed so that he cannot ever bring Voyager back home? Or do we want to write a story where they're stuck for a while, and then because of temporal prime directive dynamics, whatever time they end up spending, they have to like keep it? <laughs> because they, as maybe despite Voyager's uh, best intentions, they do have some sort of impact on somebody or something, in the 20th century, so that has to stay now in the timeline so that things don't get ruined, and then they bring them back. Also, what are we going to do about Voyager? That's a lot of questions. I Um, know. I know. I'm sorry. I I think one thing that we could do is, I think it would be interesting if it was kind of like resolutions. Okay. Where they they think they're there forever. They think they're there for the long haul. Okay. And and so they, like some people are like, okay, we're here forever, so let's make a home. And then there's other people who are like, no, I'm not going to stop working until I figure out what's what, until I figure out how this is going to go down, how we can make it back home, how we can make it back to our, our century. Like uh, maybe like some people are saying, like, what if we freeze ourselves? <laughs> you know, like what? You know, like what? What if we put ourselves in stasis, like right. the thirty sevens, and then say, like, okay, don't on, you know, don't open till Christmas of twenty three seventy eight, you know, something like that. And so, <laughs> and so, like Harry Khan and his henchmen, yeah, something like that. And so, like, um, like maybe that's what's happening. Where like Harry is just like, we can totally do this. Let's just put ourselves in stasis, and then like we don't have to screw with time. We just unlock ourselves. In our current date, like not even before we get lost in the Delta Quadrant, we just unlock ourselves and like, boom, on the same day that we got thrown back into the same corresponding date that we did in the 24th century, that kind of thing. Um, I feel like Voyager needs to explode. Voyager needs to die. Yep, I'm with you. As sad as that is, we can't have Voyager involved in this because that make th- it makes things way too easy. In order to kind of push them into 20th century society, Voyager has to be a goner. So maybe, I don't know, Voyager's going to crash or... I don't know. But Voyager has to be a goner. I think what we could do at the end of Future's End 
is let's make this a season long arc. All right. You know, like let's make our own Enterprise season three, but in Voyager. Now, what right. what season did Futures End? It was three. Happen over again. Three. Um, so how late in three? Like when in three? Do you remember? Uh, okay, this it aired like around November sweeps. So I'm thinking it it's kind of midway in the season, like the first to second third ish, maybe. Okay. Okay. Cool. So how about we tackle it that way, where? Like, they are stuck. Like, Voyager's dis- destroyed. Let's say that in order to stop the time ship, they have to do the whole kamikaze time's up thing. Oh, all right. Let's go. And so someone has to stay behind on Voyager. Now, obviously, obviously it can't be Janeway. Like, we can't have Janeway stay behind. Yeah, no. Um, I feel like this kind of has to happen with maybe some of the crew already on Earth and going yes. after Braxton. And um, you know how you were saying earlier about how some people are going to want to make a home other people are going to be no 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 let's blah 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 blah. let's do other things the whole captain braxton paradox thing i feel like is still a problem they're going to have to address but we can get there Mm -hmm. and just want to bring that up as a thing yeah so so that's what happens like say okay so janeway does the whole time's up thing because that hasn't happened yet so we get to use it and (laughs) it's true and so she's on the bridge and says time's up and then kamikaze's Uh, Ed Begley, that gets more and more gritty and like Batman-esque the more we do it. (laughs) (laughs) I I was not aware of that. You're the Batman fan, so I'll take your word for it. So she kamikazes Ed Begley Jr., but somebody does a site-to-site transport at the last minute and gets her off the bridge. Wait, no. Ed Begley Jr. plays Starling in the time ship. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're talking about we're going to destroy him, not Braxton. Not Braxton, not yet. Okay, so Braxton is going to be on Earth, and the time ship's going to be destroyed, so we solve that problem. Well, the time, yeah, yes, but for some reason, they did it wrong, or like the, te- the science, the science, the tech, the tech, something went wrong, where okay. it didn't reset. Okay, And so okay, it did sure. not work the way that they thought it was going to. All and right, that makes some sense. Com- We've got a novice at the helm who doesn't know really what the- he's doing. Yeah, right, exactly. Like he did some like he did some sort of last ditch effort. Like he did he did some sort of temporal wake or time pulse chrona time crystal, whatever you want to call it. He did something. <laughs> Timey he pressed wimey. the he, he pressed the green button when he should have pressed the yellow button, whatever. Right. And and so by Voyager kamikazing the time ship and exploding that, they saved the day, but not their trip home. Things did not reset. They were not sent back to the Delta Quadrant. And so, so now and so you have Earth. to remind me where is Braxton towards the end of this episode? Uh I mean, in the twentieth century, he's in L.A. And he's still in L.A., but I can't remember. Did he die in L.A.? Did old Braxton die in L.A.? I think that was just kind of left as in like no, because so that was blanking. the whole paradox, right? A leads to B leads to C. So if they kind of restore the timeline Braxton was never aware that he was even on earth he didn't spend time on earth because at the very end of the episode Janeway says yeah you were this old scraggly man on earth taking pharmaceuticals Mm -hmm. or something and he says I'd have no recollection of that yes yes absolutely and so I'm just I couldn't remember um I could not remember what happened to him in the 90s like at the very very end like if he died or not or if he was still there or he just got reset I think 
Okay. So in this reality, then they 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 stopped Starling from going to the 29th century, but they did not reset it, and they have to figure out why. But Voyager is destroyed, and so yes. let's say that like the crew is pissed. Let's say like like half of the crew is pissed, half the crew understands that mistakes happen. Yeah, Where they're just okay. like, you destroyed our only way home on a hunch and it didn't work. <laughs> and I, I think Janeway is going to be just as pissed, but she's saying, it should have worked. We did everything right. So they have mm-hmm. to figure out that Starling had no idea what he was doing. It, you know, it, it's all his fault. And then that's why they're stuck. And so, you know what? Hey, we got to make the most of this. And we're on 20th century Earth indefinitely mm-hmm. we've got to kind of lay low but at the same time we've got to find a way to make this work we have to live right right we have to live we also have, like some people and like we we talked about earlier some people are embracing home a little bit more sure. where they're just like okay you guys can pursue whatever you want you know in trying to get home but clearly it's not going to work we don't have the technology we don't have any technology we have some tricorders you know, right. we have some we yeah. have some communicators. We have some phasers. We don't even like we, our site to site transporter was good for one use. You know, we <laughs> we saved our captain doing. You know, like stuff like that. Yeah. And so they really have those limitations, and obviously they have the knowledge of the twenty fourth century, but it's very hard to implement it. And so I want to see people come up with different ideas. So, like I think like, you know, Tom would be all about embracing life in the twentieth century. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think. Um, Harry would be the whole stasis idea. Janeway would not rest until she figured out like a tech way and Chakotay is just going to follow Janeway. And we're going to have some JC moments where he's like, listen, we could start a family. We could buy a cottage, you know, like we could do all these things. (laughs) Right. I could totally see Chakotay just wanting to train up for some sort of career so that he could provide some financial security and saying, hey, baby, let's buy a house. We'll be all right. I want to see him, and oh man, that, oh geez. Okay, so that is how we end the season, is Chakotay buys a friggin' house. <laughs> what sort of job does he get? What, wait, 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 let me, let, me, let me finish this ending first. Because okay. it's, it's, it's a gut punch. He okay, buys wait. a house at the end to, like for Janeway and him to live in. He buys it, and he's going to surprise her with it. But then oh. right, right when he goes to present the keys to her and say, let's move in together, let's get married, let's have babies, make them fat. And, he's, <laughs> and she says, before he can open his mouth, he says, she says something akin to, I found a way home. And so he never tells her that he bought a house. Oh, my God. Uh, of course. Of course. And meanwhile, like maybe things really are kind of progressing a little bit just because even though they're kind of working on separate things, uh, you know, now that she's no longer the captain, she feels a little freer about doing this Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And it's totally cool. And hey, why not be happy in the moment? And I think we definitely should have some crew members who decide not to go back. I want to have some crew. I like I want to have one or I want to have two crew members who had a baby. Oh, yeah, and they have to stay because that kid is born in the 20th century. Yeah, they're like this is this is their home. This is our kid's home and they were born here and we want to stay here. I love and, it. Yeah. Yeah, I I have a feeling even though this is an arc, somebody finds out that they're pregnant. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe it's a time struggle like with a ticking clock where 
boy, if we could just get back, it's going to be okay. No one will know. And we can resume life on Voyager as planned. But then the baby comes maybe a little early. And, oh, Mm -hmm. this violates so many clauses in the temporal prime directive. It just immediately gives me a headache. Yeah, something like that. And so obviously it's got to be crew members that we don't really know about. You know, like maybe it's... these are ends. It's crew members that they introduce just to have this storyline. Yes. Yes, we've maybe like we've never heard of them probably. I mm-hmm. mean, there's a hundred some people on the ship. There's got to be somebody we don't know. Right, right, right. And so like we they introduce them at, once we've established that they're going to stay here for a while for the rest of the season at least. Yeah. And and so it's kind of like on Lost where they would introduce characters 3 episodes before they died. <laughs> God, I hated that. I know, right? <laughs> Damn it, Lost. You had so many characters already. You didn't need to do that. So at the end, I mean, we need to fill in the middle. But I, at the like, the idea that I have is because they didn't reset the timeline. They saved the timeline, but they didn't reset it. Yeah. Braxton, old man Braxton, crazy Braxton's still there. So that means that he cannot come from the 29th century to save them. And so I think it would be interesting if Daniels came to reset the timeline and they're like why the hell did you wait so long and they're like oh it took time to ripple through the time space continuum and and get to the 29th century like i didn't even we didn't even know this was going on oh (laughs) so they were even unaware and then once they looked into it maybe we had to let you stay for so long because despite trying to minimize your impact you did because that's just the way this works so oh, I, have, I don't because I, I mean you have to ask that obvious question. Well, why couldn't you just immediately just revoke the whole thing? Well, I think. Um, oh, okay, yeah, that's a good question. I think yeah, they'd have to come up with some sort of answer saying like, um, you know, like the uh, the, the contamination. Well, I don't know. I don't know how the baby would play into it, but I, I feel like the contamination to the timeline. We'd have to come up with some sort of timey wimey thing where they're just like, okay, well, once you were once you found out about it. Why didn't you go back all the way and stop everything? And and that maybe they said something like, well, by the time we realized what was going on, our history had changed to be your present. And so if we went back Ooh. too far, then we may not have been able to find out that we even had the opportunity to go back. There we go. That's what took them so long is because their timeline had been altered. Their Love timeline it. had been altered. Yeah. Okay, that's super cool. Love it. Now, obviously, I'm sure tons of people who are listening are just like, well, what about this? This can happen. What about this movie that shows Back Uh to the Future and this movie that shows that? Like, there are so many different rules that Uh, this is just the one that we came up with. Yeah, and honestly, you guys, when it comes to time travel, it's whatever needs to serve the plot. Let's be honest. At 100%. (laughs) I mean, those are just the rules that I'm going to play by because those are the rules that they play by. Exactly. And so I, that's how I'd like the ending to be. Like, it's just like a, it's this Easter egg before it was an Easter egg. Obviously, this wouldn't happen because. No, no, this know, is such a hypothetical. Because No, because like Enterprise hadn't been even conceived of yet. Oh, right. That and, too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, so, and so this is all in universe stuff. Like, this is all. It is. We get the cool power way. of hindsight. So suck exactly. it, Voyager writers. Okay. So what I think is going to work really well with parallels midway through the season is we're going to have some people who are embracing the journey, right? And enjoying 20th Mm -hmm. century life and having fun. And maybe they're the ones who are out there trying to 
earn money, find ways to get around, blah, blah, blah. Whereas we've got another faction of the crew that's maybe trying to find a way home, trying to figure out what the heck happened. And maybe they're doing that with old Braxton and their timey-wimey hmm. stuff. I, like, I feel like that's what Janeway would be doing is she'd track down Braxton, get him on board, and they'd be discussing, okay, what do we do now? We have no technology. Feel- we have no means to get back. What can we do here? I think I think that would be a big portion of the story. Like he would be the person they'd be trying to track down. Uh-huh. And they could not find him right away. And because he was trapped for decades and couldn't find a way off. And so maybe yeah. some people are like, "Listen, he's worthless. Like he's done. He's crazy. He's lo- he's lost it. He wasn't able to find a way home after decades. Why would he be any help?" And you know, maybe, you know, Janeway or somebody is just like, well, it's the only thing that we, it's the only lead we have. And right. not to beat a dead horse here, but Harry's just like, no, we can do the uh, cryogenics thing. And then so we see his storyline where he just researches, you know, cry- cryogenics in Los Angeles because that was totally a thing in California. Oh, and, definitely. Yes. And then you have Tuvok who, for some reason, I just feel like he tries to, he's the one who plays the stock market. And tries to get them all cash. <laughs> Tuvok on Wall Street. Wow. Yes. It works. It's so crazy. It works because he has his logical brain and research uh, aptitude. And so he finds a way to play the stock market without influencing it too terribly much. Oh, my God. So and that then that's he- their income. That's how they get money. Yeah, he invests in this thing called Microsoft. I don't know. Or something, You know, like <laughs> st- stuff like that. I mean, like, but it's... It's it's interesting like that. So like he's the one who's like, okay, like I can make us all money, but we can't get crazy. We can't like it gotta be we can't real live monster. like hogs. It's gonna yeah, it's gonna be like minimal income. Some of you are gonna have to get jobs. I can only do some extra stuff, and we gotta stay low. You know, make sure that there's we're not around any important events. You know, things right. like that. Also, okay, how is he getting to Wall Street? That's over in New York. If they're in Los Angeles. He's going to be away. So they're communicating back and forth or because like online trading, stop me if I'm wrong, wasn't a big thing in 1996, at least not yet. I don't think e-trading was a big thing quite yet. I feel like maybe we have kind of a bi-coastal storyline where Mm. some people are in New York, some people are in Los Angeles and we kind of go back and forth. East Coast, West Coast. And he sends money home, you know? like Yeah. So who's going with Tuvok? Because I don't think, would he be alone? I think that would be dangerous. I think somebody would say, no, 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 no. no. Somebody has to come with you. Especially with him being a Vulcan. What happens if somebody, like if the wind rips off his hat or something, you know? Yeah. I feel like that would be like a little plot twist somewhere in the story. Yeah. I mean, like you, you definitely have that that thing where... um where tu- like Tuvok is there and like he there's a risk of him being out as an alien because we also have Kess and Neelix as well as Bolana and how the heck is she going to cover up I feel like she stays in Los Angeles and just wears a headscarf all the time That's a great idea that'll work because I think Kess is fairly easy cuz she can just grow yeah. her hair out and then maybe wear just a hat for a little while but Neelix boy Oof. um he's got to join the circus I, I think that's one thing. I feel like everybody can hide it except for Neelix. And so yeah. I feel like that could be oh, a wait. really interesting storyline. We have a, boy, a bullion. We Chell. do have a bullion. 
Now, so, that is going to be really tough to hide. Blue skin on Earth in the 20th century. Although, you know what? Maybe on Santa Monica Boulevard, it wouldn't be that bad. Well, I think that's one thing is that we have Chell and Neelix who are having a hard time because they're very social creatures. Yeah. They enjoy talking. They enjoy meeting new people. And so they have to stay in for a very long time. But this is going to sound ridiculous, but whenever there's a convention... Whenever there is a circus, whenever there is wild, crazy nightlife, they go out. Like, so they go to the sci-fi conventions. They go to circuses. Because they're in cosplay. Because they, they're in cosplay. Like, honestly, they do stuff like that. Or, and they, and that's a good place to do it. Here's an idea. Chell joins the Blue Man Group. <laughs> He's, He's already got the automatic yeah. body paint, and he just has to learn how to play an instrument. I, yes, I, I think that would be hilarious. <laughs> uh, Put a little 20th century pop culture in there. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's something that we could do. And I, I toyed around with the idea in my head about sending Neelix with, with Tuvok to, to New York, but that's just too cruel. Oh, uh, unbearable. No, it can't be him. So who goes to New York? Who goes to yeah, New York I, with Tuvok? Maybe Kess goes? Who? Kess? Kess, maybe Kess oh. does go, leaves Neelix. That's an idea. That could be fun. Now what, okay, if she's if Tuvok's going to play the stock market, what is Kess going to do there? What is her purpose aside from just being a companion? I think she is a good Samaritan and it gets her in trouble. Okay, how so? Helping she's, homeless she, people? Yeah, yeah, like she has she has a bleeding heart and so she's constantly, she's trying to give medical advice. She, she, oh. um, she goes to shelters, she helps out, she's a candy striper, whatever you want to say. Like she goes out and volunteers. And uh, yeah. she does oh my too gosh. much good. She's she is such a wannabe social worker in mm-hmm. 20th century New York. And that like, would be the place to do it. The Edith Keeler of her day. Yeah. And so maybe, ooh, maybe we kind of play that storyline a little bit where Kesma's she does died. so much good and she organizes so well. That it's yeah. kind of the Edith Keeler syndrome where she starts to, she she starts a movement. Yeah, of and it gets so big so fast that maybe that also messes with the temporal prime directive. Yeah. She's made like, an and impact. she doesn't intend it. Yeah, she does totally does not intend it to make a huge impact, but somehow a movement gets started. Oh and my I'd gosh. love to see a positive movement. You know, where all the time you see something go horribly wrong or like something was misinterpreted and something like they they plague the time the timeline and so they develop a new religion that sacrifices virgins, you know, things like that. I would love to see <laughs> No, not another cult, no. Yeah, exactly. I want to see the opposite of that. I wanna see a positive influence yes. and where you're just like, Oh, well you need to stop and she's like, I need to stop helping people and they're like, Yeah. Yeah, you do. Oh my gosh. And then she's got to be the bad guy saying, I'm sorry, I can't do this anymore and gives no reasonable explanation. So she looks awful. Mm -hmm. And it makes no sense to the people she's working with. Yeah, I I think that would be a great storyline. And Tuvok is the one. Tuvok is the voice of reason because he's in cold, calculated, stabby in the back Wall Street and she's down on the streets helping people out. And so they balance each other out. Yeah, although, you know what, I, with this being Kess, Kess doesn't have a bad, evil bone in her body. She would maybe find a way to influence those people that she has influenced to keep going, to keep doing the work, make a mm-hmm. lasting impact, but she can no longer be involved because she's a traveler. 
she has to go back from whence she came or something. Something like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's good. I think that's our New York crew, just those two. I don't think we want to clutter it up with too many people. Right, right. Um, no, I think most everybody has to be in LA because let's be honest, these people have to find a way, like they've got to find a place to live. Right. And they right. have to be I think working all, together to make that happen. I think they all huddle together for a while. Like they find something, like in an abandoned motel or <laughs> like, you know, like so, something. something abandoned because that's what happens in TV shows is they find an abandoned yeah. warehouse. They're going to have to. There's 150 people. That's a lot of people to give shelter to. Yeah. And then like one by one, they all start moving out where like people are just saying like, listen, this is not sustainable. We can't just squat in abandoned complexes. Yeah, and we're going to have to get jobs. And that's like, when people start yeah. branching off a little bit, starting careers. Let's talk about that for a little bit. What do you suppose some of our crew members would be doing for jobs in the 20th century? I think Harry would go to grad school. Oh, I no think, doubt. UCLA. Yeah. Harry would go to grad school and be like a, the star pupil. And so that because that way he knows that he would have the best access to new age scientific materials and resources. And so he goes to the universities and he tries not to make a name for himself. Like maybe he gives other people the credit, you know, like he does his <laughs> research and tries to play it off. Right. But he totally gets recognized as a star pupil and he's the future of, I don't know, engineering and innovation and whatnot. And but like his field is cryogenics and stasis and things like that. And so, and I, honestly, no, I think he might be trying to find a 20th century way to build a ship to get them out of there. I think he's going to let no. go of the cryogenics. No, no. no. Oh, come How on. Many times, I've mentioned it like six times trying to get you to accept it. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> and I think Jane, we would just be. It wouldn't be working on her either. Just, just no, no, stop it. Well, Harry. Th I think the the thing is though is that like it allows him to stay home, be at home, without interfering with the timeline. Because if you can separate them from time, bury them in a salt mine somewhere, then they don't have to worry about contamination, and they don't have to. Because here's the thing: is that like if he advances cryogenics and keeps it to himself, no harm, no foul. But if they build a ship or a new engine, and then all of a sudden somebody gets the specs to those to that engine, uh -huh. then there's way more contamination. And so that's why I think it would be interesting to go oh, okay. that way. You make a good point, and they should even argue that in the storyline. Yes. Oh, 100%. So, okay, so maybe Harry's going into this under the cover of, say we have World War III, where people are using biological and chemical weapons, and it's going to be another apocalypse of some sort, uh, because at this time, a threat of nuclear war is more or less over. So that's not an issue. And so people are saying, you know, okay, why are you wanting to try and preserve? Like he's wanting to do, uh, you know, kind of like a bunker situation. But really what he's doing is he's trying to create a really discreet place for Voyager to go into stasis. Well, this is actually pre-World War III. This that's is, what I'm uh, saying is he's doing research that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to people at the time. But at the oh, same time, okay, it's innovative you. because it's preparedness just in case. Yeah, he's, he becomes a prepper. Um, He's ahead of the okay. curve. So we, we got that with Harry. I feel like Tom and Bellana. I feel like Tom would get a job at a mechanic shop. Totally. Like he gets a job at Jiffy Lube right away, but he's so good that he eventually opens up his own place. 
I, I don't know if he would... I feel like it might be dangerous to open up his own place. I, I feel like he wouldn't you get think? a job at a chain like Jiffy Lube. I feel like he would... It would be like an... He would be at an old man's shop and kind of revitalize it. You know, oh, like where it's... A f- oh, that would be a cool project for him. Okay, I like that a whole lot better. Sorry, Jiffy Lube. And Balana, I feel like, would be very resistant. But they gravitate towards each other. Yeah, and- like they're going to work together. But she's often in the background because of the ridges. Nobody can right. really see her. I feel like, that. yeah, they, they're together. They work together in some fashion. You know, he's the pilot. She's the engineer. And so they, they make it work. And yeah, I think maybe they're the, maybe they're the first people to kind of accept maybe this is what life is now. Yeah. Oh, I like that. And especially if they start envisioning a life for each other, because I'm assuming you're trying to bring them together. Yes, I am. Okay. Because there is no Rain Robinson in this scenario right now. No. No, no, because no, in Future Zen proper, there was, but sorry, Sarah Silverman, you're off at Griffith doing your thing, but we don't know about you. Yeah, I feel like she pops in maybe once or twice, but then we kind of move on from her. Like, I feel like we don't even need to address that. We don't need to do it. Yeah, 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 he know. stays away. Yeah, because it has nothing to do with our story, which is fine. It would be great if they go tour the Griffith Observatory at some point, but... That's neither mm-hmm. here nor there. Anyway, so now, where where was Samantha? Wildman. Uh, yeah, like in when was Naomi born? Toward the end of season two. So right now she's got an infant, maybe a she's toddler. Got an infant with ridges. With ridges. So is she gonna go to a doctor? You know, like oh, or or is somebody gonna say what's wrong with your baby? I think it's I think it's another hat syndrome where it's just like the baby's always in hats like the, it's just always in you know scarves and in hats and and caps and things like that. We're gonna have lots of fashionable hats in this. Lots of fashionable hats in this, yeah. Uh, it's too bad so it's not Janeway. the earlier '90s where we've got the big blossom hats going on. Yes. Yeah, we're a little late for that. Darn it. What's Janeway doing? I feel like Janeway is on the hunt for Braxton. To try and find him and try and find some way to get them out of this paradox, as insane as he is. I think she is too, but I feel like that has to be later in the season, and I feel like it's her goal to keep everybody together, and she's being unsuccessful. Ooh, okay. I like that because that's going to feel like a massive failure on her part. Like She has essentially lost her crew. And we yeah. can watch that happen as in a slower fashion with a season or a most season arc. Chakotay, buddy, time to play counselor. Yes, like Janeway, like Janeway stranded the crew again. So Not much just guilt. in space, but now in time. And so it's double the guilt. She's having a hard time. We kind of have an early scenario of night where she yeah. she battles with depression and stranding them and everything like that. And so you this is what, happening though? early. What? No, I want to see her break. I want to see things oh. get so overwhelming and just she's so exhausted and tired and feels so much guilt and failure that she it all boils over and she just she really does have a breakdown in front of Chakotay. And maybe this is a bonding moment for the two of them. I think, yes, let's run with that where I think we need to build to the break where it's yes, not yes. immediate. It's she's trying to keep the crew together. She's like, no, we we need to be all, you know, like we need to be together as much as possible geographically. 
and she realizes that she cannot control them. Even though she's the captain, she cannot control them anymore. They're in a different time. They're in a different, you know, you know, area. They're they're right. They need to spread out to survive, and she's fighting against that. And then like things are happening. Thing, things are slipping through the cracks. Maybe a few crew members die from something, and. Mm-hmm. It pushes her over the edge. She has a breakdown. Chakotay has to bring her out of her breakdown. And at the end of that, where she actually does come out of the breakdown, she says, I need to go find Braxton. I'm going to go do that. You take care of the crew. I know this is my responsibility, but I haven't been doing them any good. And I won't be doing them any good until I find Braxton. Hmm. I want Chakotay to suggest that rather than her because it feels in a way if she's saying it that maybe she's abandoning that responsibility because she feels like she can't take it. I want Chakotay to pick up that ball and say, you know what? Go find Braxton. I've got this. I'll try and keep everybody together as much as I possibly can. You've done the very best job anybody could under these circumstances. I will continue to do the same. I'll keep tabs on everybody. But go do this. Focus on one thing for a little while. Yeah. I like that. I like that a whole lot more. Like she has to be convinced to do it. Yeah. And, and it kind of renews her sense of purpose that way as a leader. And also, I mean, like it's it's Chakotay's job on the ship to look after the crew. Like he is in charge of the crew. Like the uh-huh. captain is in charge of everything. But Chicote is the conduit to the crew. And so right. nothing really changes. And so she goes off and maybe he sets up some sort of like parole officer thing with everybody where he's just like, listen, you got to check in once a week. Every single one of you has to check in with me once a week. Let me know how you're doing. Like Call that. this number. Email me at chicote at AOL.com. You know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Email me at akuchimoya at AOL.com. Oh, no, 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 no. You could only have, I think, eight characters for a long time. That's too long. Uh, fine. Crap on my my great idea. I'm sorry, my but I love email. it. <laughs> he could have Akuchimoya at rocketmail.com or something. There you go. Something like that. Okay. Um, anyway. So and so that's that's his contribution is that he acts like a parole officer with everyone. And pe- maybe like we have a storyline where people are getting loose and loose. They're not checking in all the time. They're uh-huh. enjoying life. They're enjoying their jobs. And maybe he's helping some people who aren't adjusting very well, where they see 20th century people as savages and they just can't integrate. Uh-huh. Um, we have a, a situation where people are dealing with racism, yeah. you know, for yeah. the first time in their lives. Oh, right. And it's a complete culture shock. What the heck is this? Yeah. Like racism and xenophobia and everything like that. They're just like, oh my gosh. They're like, like my, you know, my family has had to deal with this. I've heard stories. You read books, but you're never truly prepared for it until you experience it firsthand. Yeah. Good social commentary. Yes. Even in LA where we have everybody that's, that's happening for sure. Oh, Um, hell yeah. Okay. What else? Uh, I feel like, okay. What about the doctor? We have not addressed the doctor at all. Because if he's destroyed with Voyager, do? he doesn't have a mobile emitter, does he? Yeah, because he does. We have... yeah, this is where he gets the mobile emitter. Yeah, I know that in the story proper, but how far are we willing to go with that story to where, like, okay, does he have the mobile emitter or not? That's that's all I really want to know. He does have the mobile emitter and because he runs away with it. And I feel like uh, this might be a bit unfair. But what if we tackle the storyline like we did with the the Nos storyline where they get trapped in the 
what's the name of that? The one with Lori Petty, the episode with Lori Petty. I can never, ever remember the name of it. Well, Lori uh, Petty, oh boy. Where they eat the spiders. You know, it's Tuvok and Tom stranded in a gravity well. Oh, 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 oh. Is it called Gravity? Is it? No, I don't think it's that one. Oh, I don't think so. It's oh, that boy. episode, whatever. I can't remember the title, but you know which one I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> so they only they only bring out the doctor every once in a while when they absolutely need him because of Ooh. power and whatnot. So exactly. what if they did something like that? The mobile emitter has to be charged, let's say. So and it they has... have nothing here to charge it. Right? So they've got finite battery life. It better be life or death or we can't activate. Yeah, and he's super pissed about it. <laughs> he is the most crotchety as we've ever seen him whenever he does get activated. Well, it's about darn time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I love that. And he's like, how long has it been this time? He's like, it's been three months or something like that. He's yeah. like, Son oh, I roll. Yeah. Love it. I think that's the only way that we can contain the Doctor storyline because yeah. he would easily be found out, I feel, in this scenario because this, mm. this, this is not the Doc who went to the uh, the planet that went faster in time and ha- had a whole life and had children and had right. a wife and everything like that. That was a much more mature doctor. This is a very immature doctor who just got his sea legs. Yes, yes. So he is doing some great ace snark. Yeah, yeah. And and he, uh, he cannot be trusted yet with this kind of technology. <laughs> no, he's going to be a little irresponsible with it if he's left to his own devices. So that's a great idea. Uh, is there? Are there any other details? We've been going on for a little while. We should probably wrap this up. Yeah, uh, I think it's time to wrap up. Uh, I don't think we're forgetting anybody. Nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. And we introduce those characters, whomever they are, right. to have a baby and, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I kind of want them to be like kind of the... the pro- Well, maybe alongside them and Tom and Bellana as embracing the 20th century slice of life. I we ha- I think we need to finalize Janeway. I okay. think um I think Janeway finds Braxton but he's dead. Ooh, we, like on the streets? Yeah, like we go through this entire song and dance. She gets closer and closer each episode and then she rejoices cuz she's about to find him. She finds him and he's dead. But he thinks he, he thinks about this, like in the case of his death, he does X, like he leaves her X and mm. it helps her, maybe it helps her be located by Daniels in some way because she does something that he told her to do. Hmm. Okay. So he knows about Daniels. That's interesting. Well, he knows about the 29th century. Okay. Okay. So, all right. So essentially he gives her the know-how to set up a homing signal and maybe then it's just a matter of time yeah it's something like he said like he was never able to do it because he didn't have the resources or the help she has 170 minds to help her out in this yeah oh okay so then maybe what happens is they set up the homing signal they wait around for a couple of days nothing happens is Mm -hmm. it working correctly what's going on we're not getting through are we stuck here forever? And then maybe there's a yes. sense of finality to it. Perfect. And people who haven't embraced living in the 20th century at this point realize this is it. This is our destiny. This is where we're going to live the rest of our lives. We might as well start enjoying it now and get ourselves going. And then only to steer hard right with uh, Daniels coming 
at some point to finally get them. And of course, Janeway's first question will be, well, what took you so long? Yeah. Now, we never discussed how Chakotay makes money because he's like a parole officer to everybody else. But what does he do? What if he becomes a real estate agent and that's why he buys a house? A real estate agent? I I don't know about that one. (laughs) You don't see him as a real estate agent? He's personable. I don't. I think... No? Maybe something a little less sleazy. I like... Okay, let's... uh, uh, Yeah, let's... Maybe he is... Maybe he builds houses. What if he becomes a property manager and then that way he can house some of the crew members in an apartment building? (gasps) Beautiful. Yeah, yes, and then yes, like I yeah, like that. then like maybe he's been renovating one of these properties for him and Janeway. Yes, love it. Love so it. instead Somehow of buying he... a house, he's they've got an apartment. They've got a small apartment that's that nobody really knows about even. Yeah, it's yeah. I I, I like that low. idea where he gets uh he gets a ta- like maybe it's kind of like Tom finding the old shop. Like he finds yeah. somebody like he finds somebody who owns a lot of property but doesn't have the resources to fix it up they're too old blah 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 yeah maybe they're yeah. They, they have some sort of you know disability i don't know some something like that that prevents them from taking care of the properties and so he takes care of it and renovates it and is the is the super the superintendent for these properties and so he's able to fill it with starfleet crewmen for a reasonable price yes yes okay so that also solves a portion of that problem Yes. Yeah, but not everybody's going to stay in those apartment complexes. No, I, I have a feeling. I mean, it's a big wide world. There's going to be people who want to go all over. People want to travel. People want to go see the sites. And go wherever he, they're uh, from. Yeah, and initially, like, he's going to be like, no, you can't. And they're going to say, okay, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> I was like, well, we can't all stay here. That We don't have a place to live. And right, so maybe right. out of necessity, some people do go off, but you got to check in. You got to check in. You got to call this number. You got to email me at Akuchumaya at Bottle Rocket, (laughs) whatever it's called, (laughs) rocketmail.com. I love it. Okay. This is so much fun. I feel like we could keep going with it. But for right now, we've got some very bare bones ideas, the basics, the crux of the story, plus some fun details integrating 20th century life. I I feel like we've done our job for the week. I think so. I mean, like we talked for an hour. I mean, like we, of course we had like 10, 14 minutes of prologue, but we talked about this for a long time and this was a lot of fun. This was a, this was a richer idea than I thought it was going to be. And I already thought it was going to be great. (laughs) I knew it would be fun, but I did not anticipate us turning this into a season long arc, which is fantastic though, because the 20th century living in the mid nineties really was a unique time and place. Tom Paris was not wrong. Not wrong, not whatsoever. So thank you, everybody, for for listening and emailing us. We told you at the top of the show how to contact us. And uh, it's it's just it's such a pleasure giving you episodes every single every single week. We hope you enjoy it, and uh, thank you for sticking with us for this many episodes. And uh, next week we have no idea what we're gonna do. This this is it could be a what if story. It could be a new crew. It could be a new yeah. ship. We could be analyzing a character, analyzing an episode. We have no <laughs> idea. That's half the fun. That's right. We have no idea where or when or how or what we're going to do. But we do know one thing, and I think you know what I'm going to say. Do it. We're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.